I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chick. Chick, Chick, Chick. That's right, yeah! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome on back. You're listening to 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, All-Star Weekend is upon us. We're just outside Vivint Arena. And I know that uh, hey, a lot of people have taken us up on this offer. We have freezers full of ice cream upstairs, and we brought it down in the cooler. And if you want to come by, even though it's near freezing, grab yourself some ice cream. Do it. We'll, we'll, Do we'll it. hook you up. Howard, did you eat uh, ice cream yet? Uh, no, but frankly, it's balmy out by Salt Lake standards <laughs> yeah. in February, right? Like, I was, I thought I was going to, my face was going to crack walking back to my hotel last night at midnight. But, uh, no, this is great. This is, you know, sun's Beautiful. out. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Howard Beck joins us and a uh, longtime NBA writer. You've seen and done it all and uh, appreciate you carving out a few moments for us. I know we kind of get callous to big events and things like that, but uh, is there something special for All-Star Games for you? Is there just uh, another assignment? or how, how, What are your emotions coming into games like this? It's my 26th year. I'm, I'm callous, man. Nah, I love I'm it. Yep. Um, no, listen, there is, there's always something about All-Star Weekend that has a little bit different buzz to it. The second you get to the airport and there's, like, all the, the NBA decals everywhere and every airport that, you know, every city that we're going to is, of course, now transformed into just a chaotic mob of people. And the, you feel the buzz the second you get there. And I always make a distinction between, like, when the All-Star Game is in a place like New York, which is my home market, or Chicago, versus, like, Salt Lake or Charlotte when we're at the, in the, the kind of smaller towns and it takes over downtown and so everybody you see on the street is either affiliated with the NBA or somehow part of the weekend or fans who have come in to celebrate it and so you it's it's a rare thing when when the NBA just kind of like okay this is now like camp NBA for yeah. a couple of days so it's 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 fun plus for me you know like I just had 10 minutes I wish I could have had longer with Carl Malone for my podcast, I hadn't seen Carl literally since the night that the Pistons eliminated the Lakers in 2004 when I was covering the Lakers wow. for the LA Daily News. And I remember Carl in tears in the locker room that night because that was his last best chance and he knew it. And um, so for me as a, as a reporter and as somebody who's been around the NBA a long time, 
there's just a lot of people to see, and it's it's fun on a personal level. Um, you know, all the other stuff going on, notwithstanding. So I have the conversation with Carl. Go. It was great. Like he's he's in a very you know reflective mood uh, right now and uh, place in his life. He's intentionally been away from you know the league, the players, the everybody that he that you know was his community. Right? You because you when you're in the NBA, especially as long as he was, it, it is your community. There are rivalries. There are people you like and don't like, and everything else. But it is kind of this. I, I hate to get hokey as a you know seasoned cynical journalist, but it is this extended family. And Carl feels, I think, a great deal of, of remorse of over having kind of separated himself so much, so extremely from this family. And he just seems very grateful to be back in this 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 environment and seeing people and reconnecting with people. Um, he even gave me a nice hug. That was, it was unexpected. But literally, I had not seen him. Like the, He was emotional and kind of teary today, and it was hmm. symmetry for me because the last time I saw him, again, emotional and teary in the visiting locker room at the Palace of Auburn Hills because the Pistons had just beaten the Lakers, and that was his last chance at a ring. As, uh, as we go down memory lane here a little bit, just talking about that 4 team, um, I know you've been a, you know an overall NBA writer for a while, but as a beat writer, was that 4 team the craziest year you've ever you've ever had covering I mean, a team? I had a lot of crazy years because I had seven years of Shaq and Kobe and Phil, and, and Phil Jackson for yeah. five of that, but seven years of Shaq and Kobe and, and all, all the drama that went with them. Um, and then I had nine years covering the Knicks where it's just pure dysfunction all yeah. the time. Um, but yeah, 03, 04, look, you know, they, they're... The Lakers had lost the year before, so the, the three-peat was over. Yeah. They, they, they got uh, knocked out. And so they're trying to build themselves back up. Some of their role players had gotten a little older. And here they had this grand opportunity. Carl Malone and Gary Payton are coming in yeah. tandem. Um, Carl decides to take less so that Gary Payton can get the mid-level exception, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And they wanted to come in tandem. And now you're, you're grafting these two future Hall of Famers with the two other Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame coach. And it's this super team. But... That was the summer that Kobe was the charged, trial. Yeah. was charged with sexual assault, and so you had that part of it. Kobe's coming and going during the course of the season to go to, to court dates in Colorado. Um, Gary Payton never really meshed with the triangle offense and Phil Jackson's philosophy. Shaq and Kobe are at their absolute you know low point in terms of their relationship. Kobe's a pending free agent. He's threatening to leave. Shaq wants an extension that the team isn't giving him. He's pissy. There's just a lot going on. And Carl, and I reminded him of this when we talked a little bit ago, Carl Malone was the rock. He He's built like a rock, he, yeah. but he's still. He, still, my God. He looks like he could go out and drop 20 and 10 right now, guys. Incredible. Um, but he was the one holding it all together because everybody respected Carl. No one was going to mess with Carl. And when Kobe and Shaq are going at each other, Carl was the one I felt like was keeping the peace and was the voice of, of reason and the guy that everybody had to defer to, not on the court in terms of shots and everything. Carl, Carl actually sacrificed a lot as, uh, that, that season. But he was the one, I think, that it was kind of holding them together. And he has this freak accident. I think it was, uh, I hope I'm, I'm not remembering incorrectly here, I believe it was Scott Williams playing for the Suns, falls into Carl Malone near the sideline, buckles his knee. Carl, who's been indestructible yeah. for 18 years at that stage, um, Ends up with this massive, you know, major knee injury that knocks him out most of the season, and I, I really felt like that team—they had won like twenty-three of their first twenty-seven or some crazy number—and it just never was the same after that. And in the finals, I say to this day, no disrespect to that Pistons team. If Carmelone had been healthy, I think that might have been a much different outcome. So, Howard, we didn't talk to Kurt about this. We had uh, Dan 
Wykey on earlier, and he's fantastic. Dan's the best. We really haven't talked about this. The assembled talent in the All-Star game this weekend, Yeah, and I, I know that there are a lot of guys that didn't make the trip that have backed out because of injury or, or other issues. The assembled talent in this All-Star game, where does it compare in the oh, last 10, 15 years of All-Star talent? Uh, it feels like half of them have already been ruled out because of injury and replaced. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a really interesting question. Like, I, I, I hate to do the thing on live radio where you say you're never supposed to say I don't know on yeah. live radio. Uh, that's you're all right. You're supposed to just, like, it wing it. Um, it. I would actually have to, like, sit down and look and, and scan it all. But, I mean, I do think... Off the top of my head, when you think about, you know, obviously LeBron James is still playing at an incredibly high level given where he is, and and he's going to go down as one of the one to two greatest players of all time. Giannis is, you know, they call him the freak for for a reason. Jokic is is a a completely different... Kind of player, right? Like he's 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 this evolved big man that we've never seen before. Luca, like there are so many players that you would say are generational, right? Like that's the, the highest praise you can heap on a player, other than you know, lock for the Hall of Fame. Is this is a generational talent? This is a guy we've never seen. We maybe we saw some vague version of. There was a preview of this, but not this far developed. This, I mean, we're at a time when listen, however many years ago, Showtime, Magic Johnson, he's. A six-eight point guard, right? Wow, look at that! What if you could always? Well, that's all we have now. <laughs> Luca, LeBron, I mean, Giannis can can play that playmaker role. Even Kevin Durant, like we don't think of him as a point forward, but Kevin Durant's a, a heck of a playmaker when he uh, has the ball in his hands. We just have so many guys who are this you know evolved version of the NBA, which I don't consider positionless, but just positionally fluid. Everybody from you know the six O guys who have always been in the league all the way up through the seven footers. Not all of them, but a lot of them can do everything that a guard has traditionally done. And so I don't know how to rate this talented the, the talent of this group versus previous All Star games, but I, I can say like you look across those rosters and there's just a lot of generational talent and unique talent. Were you caught off guard with the Kyrie trade, or did you get rumblings that was coming down? Um, once Kyrie, I, guess, I guess Kyrie and Kevin Durant. We'll throw both of them in there together. Well, so, so Kyrie's trade request was kind of sudden. We should have seen it coming because his agent slash stepmom had told Chris Haynes of Turner Sports a week before, um, hey, uh, Kyrie's playing pretty well, and we're kind of hoping for an extension. But, hey, it's in the Nets ballpark. Yeah. It's, it's in their court. Well, that should have been the shot across the bow that we should have all seen and understood what it was. So we, I think we all kind of underestimated what that quote meant. So when he does ask for the trade, and, and, it, and it's truly about the extension, I just want to put this in context because I've, I've written this and I've said it a couple times, but I don't think people fully appreciate this. Kyrie Irving might be the first star in history to ask off of a team that actually had plausible championship hopes. I didn't think the Nets could win the championship because there's just too much volatility, mostly Kyrie's volatility. But the Nets were in a position to, to, to contend. Yeah. And Kyrie blew it up. The Nets blew up a contender in midseason. I believe that is unprecedented in the history of the NBA. Um, so I, I was certainly surprised on some level. But then one thing I've always said was, to me, a, a, a given, was that if Kyrie were ever traded or if Kyrie were just let go in free agency if, if they had kept him, it was going to be the end for Kevin Durant, too, because they came there in tandem, and once you don't have Kyrie, even if Kevin Durant was fine with Kyrie parting ways, he would still need another star with him. He's at a, a, a you know, he's 34 years old, and he's, a, he's an Achilles patient. 
he needs another star with him. He can't carry it all himself anymore in the same way. So I thought once Kyrie was gone, it was almost a given. I did not expect it to happen that quickly. Yeah. I will say that. I was very much caught off guard by the fact that the Nets could turn around and make two blockbuster trades that quickly. Credit to, to the front office. And, again, they also made a heck of a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, and the Kevin Durant thing, does the power... I mean, I, I guess nobody really separated themselves too much. It felt like Denver is the number one seed, but Hans made a good comparison. Denver kind of feels like the Jazz when they were the one seed a couple years ago. I don't know how much fear they strike in a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but does the power structure kind of shifted to Phoenix if Kevin Durant's healthy? So I have said... I. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the pump the brakes guy. I'm the, like, hold yeah. on. I understand we're all, like, wowed by the idea of Kevin Durant with Devin Booker, with Chris Paul, with DeAndre Ayton and everything. But hold on. One, they've never played together. Uh, two, by the time Durant gets held, like, he's still, Durant hasn't played three on three or five on five. He hasn't done anything yet. So he, it's still a couple weeks probably. He may only get 18 to 20 games with the Suns before the playoffs. Yeah. That's not a long time to really establish chemistry and how you're going to work in the final minutes of games and everything else. You, there is a certain amount of that that's necessary, right? There's also the injury volatility. Kevin Durant could get hurt again. He's been hurt a lot the last few years. Chris Paul's always hurt. Chris Paul's up there in years. Devin Booker's been hurt this season, and he's the young one. Um, they lost a lot of depth in making that deal. They traded away Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, two of their most important defenders and shooters. So it, it's not as simple as just throw these stars together and they're the favorite. They are a favorite, not the favorite. And that's partially some respect to the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Clippers, who have pulled themselves together and, and are staying healthy, and if they're healthy, like why would we rule them out? They still have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a really uh, strong supporting cast, which they fortified at the trade deadline. Um, I'm not even ruling out the Warriors, by the way. Like I, I refuse to, to rule them out because they're the Warriors. Like I cannot. Steph will get healthy. Gary Payton II will get healthy, presumably. They may sign. They might sign somebody uh, out of the buyout market. I think it's a crowded field, and the Suns deserve to be right in the mix there in, this, in these conversations, but I can't just say, like, okay, now they're the runaway favorite. I'm going to throw a question at you that Dan Wyke threw at Scotty and I. A 1-8, let's say the Lakers make it that 8 seed. Yeah. 1-8, Denver, Lakers. Lakers obviously loaded now with Vanderbilt, one of our old guys, and uh, Malik Beasley, and, you know, they've got a couple of talent that they've brought from, from Utah. Throw those guys on the roster. General health across the board with Anthony Davis and LeBron. Who do you take wow. in that seven-game series? First of all, yeah. that's a must-watch oh, series. Yes. But who comes out of that as a one-eight? I mean, I, I, I don't want to. I, I can't jump that far ahead in my own head just because, like, we've seen exactly one game so far with LeBron and the new guys. Like, the new guys got there. They played a couple games. LeBron was still hurt. They looked pretty darn good the other night, didn't they? Yeah, very. So um, I have been one who, again, I have, I have a, a stubborn belief in in certain guys, certain stars, right? Like, I've always been on the never bet against LeBron bandwagon, never bet against Steph Curry bandwagon, and they've earned that. So I know there's all kinds of caveats with the Lakers, if LeBron's healthy, if Anthony Davis stays healthy. Anybody wants to throw cold water on the idea of the Lakers making a run, I'm not going to argue with you that strongly. But I do think we have the proof that a healthy LeBron, who's still playing at an all-NBA level, and a healthy Anthony Davis, who's still playing at a, at a very high level, 
surrounded by an actually competent supporting cast, which they did not have for three months, now they have? I, 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 that's dangerous. That is absolutely dangerous. You can't tell me. You give truth serum to the Denver Nuggets, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Phoenix Suns, whoever else might fall into, into a matchup with them, depending on how the brackets break. Nobody wants to see LeBron and Anthony Davis and, a, and, a, and a, again, a competent supporting cast now with guys who can actually shoot and defend, which they have. It's not perfect, but it's, it's far and away better than what they started the season with. And I would say if they had made a deal like this in October instead of February, they wouldn't be in the hole they're in now. You look at uh, the East, and obviously Boston's loaded, incredible amount of depth, and Milwaukee, you know, arguably has the, if not the best, the top three player in the league. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you rate the East right now? Um, I, you know, so that's the one funny thing about like the trade deadline, right? We all, all these fireworks, KD's yeah, yeah, traded, yeah. Kyrie's traded, all this other stuff. I feel like the overall uh, power structure of the league did not change. The Celtics and the Bucks were the two favorites before the trade deadline, and they're still the two favorites mm-hmm. after it. Um, now, could the Suns have something to say about that if they get to the finals and face one of them? Sure. But the Celtics and the Bucks are the two, you know, at least obviously they're the back-to-back Eastern Conference champions, right, and the Bucks, the NBA champions. Those teams are really solid, very sound. They've got a great balance of, you know, stars and role players, shooting, defense, versatility, being able to try out big lineups and smaller lineups and adjust to their opponents. Um, and they're established. Like, again, to me, you know, if I've learned nothing else in 26 years of covering this league, I do think chemistry and continuity matters a lot, especially the deeper you go in the playoffs and the tighter things get and the harder it gets. Um, and the Bucks and the Celtics have the muscle memory. Yeah. And so that matters, too. Plus, the Celtics are also just, like, stupid deep. Yeah. And when they're fully healthy, I just, I, you know, they're, they're a team that, that can knock out anyone. So I, I think those are the two favorites in the East. I think the Sixers will have to be reckoned with. I don't think it goes much deeper than that. One of those three teams comes out of the East. And, man, I, I've, you know, I listed all the teams in the West before who are among the potential favorites. It's, it's, it's way too many to even contemplate. So... Just talking about the Boston and, and talking a little bit about the East, I was thinking Danny Ainge moving here, taking over operations with the Jazz, the Rudy Gobert trade that it really made noise around the NBA. How much are the other 29 teams in the NBA watching what they're doing right now as they're bringing in these payloads and they're gathering up all these first-round picks? How on the radar are the Jazz right now for future prospects? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think, you know, when a team is, is you know, annually winning, you know, 50-something games, you're thinking about them all the time because it's a team, especially if you're in their conference, you have to deal with. When a team is in whatever you want to call this, a rebuild, a retool, a reimagining, a reinvention, a re-something, um, I feel like they're a little off the radar, right? Like, I think people are probably keeping an eye on them, like, all right, what's Danny up to? What's, what are Danny and Justin up to, really? What, you know, what's their next move? Is this a long-term thing? Are they going to keep cashing out on guys and keep stockpiling? And what does that lead to, right? Um, but I think, like, the Nets are in that position now, too, because the Nets have a bunch of really, really good high-level players who are not stars, and they're not going to keep them all. And they've got a bunch of picks now from the Suns and the Sixers. And, like, so what are the the Nets up to? What's Sean Marks up to? What's he going to do? How's he going to package those guys to get them their next star? And I think the Jazz are in that position, too. The Thunder are in that position, where here they have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's making his all-star debut this weekend. And 
a bunch of other really good, interesting players, and Chet Holmgren still hasn't played yet. They're going to get another high pick, and they're still sitting on a boatload of picks from the Paul George trade. They're in a position to make some moves. So I think teams like that that have a stockpile of, of picks and, and interesting players who may not be a threat to you right now, but you're, you're keeping an eye on what their next move is. So, obviously, the Jazz gutted the roster a little bit at the trade deadline, and we all anticipated this team at the beginning of the year being the victor and sweepstakes, and obviously that's probably out of the uh, out of the realm of possibility. But given the roster right now, even though you do have an all-star in Larry Markkinen and, and you do have some good pieces with Walker Kessler and others, they're probably going to drop some games that they would have won earlier in the year with the previous roster. In that 5-8 to eight range where the Jazz could end up in the draft, is there still quality? I mean, we're all talking about number one and number two, but what what are GMs thinking about this upcoming draft? Too soon for me to say, as, as a guy who's not a draft guy, yeah. um, like I, I barely pay attention to the draft guys until we get closer to you know lottery time and everything else. So I'm I'm probably the wrong one to ask, um, but. I have, I have, you know, the, the general buzz has been for a while that this is going to be a good draft. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a deep draft. Obviously, there's one massive prize at the top in Wembenyama and a, and a potentially incredible player in Scoot Henderson at number two. And then after that, you know, I, I, I we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But listen, I think, I think they'll probably get a good player there. Uh, this is a good drafting front office. Um, this is a front office that has, you know, obviously gotten steals in the teens and the twenties in recent history so i you know wherever they fall in the in the order they'll they'll do fine what ends up being a better pick minnesota's or utah jazz first round pick (laughs) jazz obviously own them both yeah um i mean the jazz's own pick should probably be the better one obviously the timberwolves i mean getting conley is going to to be you know phenomenal for them i think like i think mike conley was the exact right guy for the timberwolves and good rapport with rudy too good rapport with rudy Mm -hmm. but also just you know He's Mike Conley. He is a really smart, level-headed dude with with high character, great communicator, natural leader. All the things you guys got to see here for years. All the things that the Memphis fans got to see for years. And when you're a team like the Timberwolves, that always feels like something's just a little bit off. Trading out D'Angelo Russell, who's sometimes the guy who's a little bit off, for Mike Conley, who's going to be the guy who kind of pulls everybody together, is uh, a, a much more dramatic move than it would look like on paper, given their skill sets or Conley's age. Yeah, they needed a, an adult in the room there. In, That's uh, another Minnesota. way of putting it. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> Mike's, Mike's one of them. Yeah. We're going to miss him here. Yeah, That Good was dude. a tough trade. Well, Howard, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming by, man. Absolutely. It really means a lot. My pleasure, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks for having us, Howard. Thank you. Jim Absolutely. Olson, president of the Jazz, will join us next, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chin. Chin, Chin. That's right, yeah! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Joining us now, the man who put it all together. We are live just outside of Vivint Arena here on the corner of uh, 300 West and South Temple. 
Maybe a little cold. That's all right. No big deal. It's going to heat up inside that arena. Also up at the Huntsman Center as well. But Jim Olson, president of the Utah Jazz, kind enough to join us. Jim, how are you? Mr. Olson. Hey, how are my two favorite broadcasters doing? <laughs> I don't know. They they haven't arrived yet. They, yeah, they, they come in about. They, they come on at three. Hour. <laughs> you guys know me all too well. <laughs> we'll ask them how they're doing when they get here. We'll see Please how do. Give, give, yeah. give them my best, will yeah, you? I will. <laughs> well, for sure. And DJ and PK say hi. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey uh, have you gotten any sleep this week or even like maybe the previous month or so leading up to this thing? Oh, uh, you know what? Um, we'll worry about sleep next week, but uh, it's all been worth it. Like, I, like this has just kicked off the last couple of days, and it is just the greatest thing in the world. We're just loving every minute of it. So I just got to tell you, Jim, that we've had three of the top NBA insiders by and actually jump on the headset with Scotty and I over the last nearly three hours. And I would say combined, Scotty, and I'm just going to kind of lob a guess, combined you probably have 35 all-star experiences or 30 all-star experiences amongst the three of them. And, Jim, they have been walking around town. They've been going out to events. And it was great to hear them be so complimentary of what you guys have done here to get ready for the All-Star Weekend. How how much goes into organizing all of the, I'll just call it redevelopment of downtown getting ready for this event? Well, a lot goes into it. I mean, you know, we, we were awarded this All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend four years ago, and you, you really start preparing at some level four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. But I'll tell you, the day after we finished in Cleveland last year, literally that next day, we were regrouping, and, and that's when it got real. And, and when I say got real, like, you know, boots on the ground, people, you know, from the NBA coming into town on a regular basis. And, you know, a lot of the, the NBA just steps up and really does a great job to work with us. Our team, Carrie Holt Larson, who's led the whole charge from day one for us, she's just been an absolute rock star. And uh, it, it's a big effort. But like I said, it, I mean, right now, it, every bit of it's been worth it. It's just been so much fun. So I want to go back in the rearview mirror a little bit. I remember when we were chatting uh, during the renovation, and I asked you at that point, and I said, does this, you know, because the NBA likes to reward teams that invest in buildings and build buildings and rebuild them and, and all that. Uh, and I asked you if, if this felt like this was going to give you a, a leg up and perhaps bringing the All-Star game back to Salt Lake City. And you said, you know, you were kind of coy about it. And I think probably you were putting some plans together at that point, but said, you know, look, that's something that we'll always keep our mind towards and hope for. But did that uh, renovation really help lead the way to getting this game back here? It absolutely did, and you're right. I probably had to be a little coy at that time, but you know, nothing's guaranteed when you when you go after an All Star Weekend like this. You know, when you bid on it, but uh, we knew by doing the renovation, it would give us that opportunity to to get a leg up in the bid process. And and at the end of the day, it absolutely did, and and it's all paying off now. So, Jim, when you guys bid on these things and put so much work and effort into bringing the all-star game here from your perspective what are you hoping to gain maybe personally but maybe organizationally what are you hoping to gain from such an overwhelming task that you've taken on well, I've got, I'm going to, you know, it's, it's a good question, and you might be surprised a little bit by my answer, but when you ask organizationally, 
the, I'm going to say that organizationally, it's going to transfer to the community. We view the Utah Jazz as a community asset. We, we've got the best fans in the world. And so personally, as an organization, uh, yeah, like, do we want, uh, you know, the NBA world coming here and seeing that Utah's for real and seeing what a great place? Absolutely. But but you know what? This, this was a priority for the community. And uh, when I think about it organizationally, it's our chance to to give back to the community, to create an experience, a huge economic impact, uh, and, and once again, expose Utah to, to the world. I mean, this thing's being broadcast in over 200 countries, in over 60 languages around the world, visitors from around the world, and, and it's just it's giving back to this great community that we're fortunate, fortunate enough to be a part of. Jim Olson, president of the Utah Jazz, joining us, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. Um, all right, so, I, again, going back in time a little bit, you get the games in uh, in 2019, and then this uh, little thing called uh, COVID-19 hits in uh, 2020. <laughs> Were you concerned that, uh, was there a moment, because everybody kind of, I think it was supposed to be in Indianapolis uh, the year, it, it, during uh, that 2021 COVID year, was there a concern that you might get pushed back a year, or they might change the rotation, or what, what, what were the fears during that? You know, it was never much of a concern. It was a pretty quick conversation with the NBA, and for, for a variety of different reasons, they, they decided it was best to keep, uh, keep our, our time frame in line and, and uh, you know, keep this, this the year for us to do it. And, but, but there were still concerns, you know, going back two years ago, you know, how would COVID affect things? And, you know, obviously Chicago did a great job under really tough circumstances. Cleveland did a really great job under tough circumstances. This is really the first uh, uh, all-star weekend that uh, is, co- we'll call it COVID free, but please, you know, take that. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I got gotcha. you. And and the NBA has seen that. I mean, the activation of sponsor companies, big brands coming here to activate their brand, and like the, the NBA hasn't seen it for a long time, and so it's like things have opened back up, and we're very fortunate. So, Jim, the reports are you turned down the bid to play in the celebrity game. Uh, I don't know if that comes down to your game or if you're a little bit worried about being up on Ryan Smith. I'm not sure. But the, the give me your thoughts on it. Yeah. The hands, they, they were afraid of me. They were, they were, just, they were afraid. <laughs> that, that's all it comes down to right there. <laughs> they, avo- they avoided that bus. They avoided that bus. Uh, I, so Lloyd, Lloyd and I are hopping on the the train. We're actually going to head up to the All Star game or the uh, Celebrity Game. That's going to be our first thing, and then we'll come back down here tonight for the Rising Stars. But talk a little bit about that Celebrity Game that they got going on up there. I mean, how cool is it to have you know Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade as the captains of the two teams and. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of media out there about their personal rivalry with their three-point shooting contest. There's going to be a great uh, three-point shooting contest going on at the Celebrity Game between those two with money going towards uh, Fight for the Fight, you know, our jersey awesome. patch and the Fight for Cancer research. And, uh, you know, they're, they're turning uh, – for, for guys at that level to get involved in this way, you know, just another example. I'm actually out. I'm actually out. Uh, we, today's the day of service. I just stepped out of the big warehouse house out at the uh, LDS Church uh, Bishop Storehouse. We've got about 200 volunteers out here packing food boxes that 
are going to be sent around the country to help people that are in need for food. And Dwayne Wade's here, and Ryan Smith is here, and Gail Miller is here, and Jason Williams, Darren Williams is here. Like, like, and, and all these NBA family, you know, friends and people, and like, it's just it, it, there's so much good going on this week. It's just, it's really cool. What? And again, I, I this is. I'm trying to think the right way to ask the question because I think the answer is just an incredibly complex one. But the amount of work you have to go through to shut down an entire city block and the amount of work that goes in with the city and arranging everything else that goes along with it. I mean, I can't. I mean, I've been in that building with you and and sat in on planning (laughs) meetings and, and, and know know the process and the talented people. But did it even surprise you how much details and work had to go in to make to pulling this thing off? Yeah, Scotty, I'm so glad you asked that question because, uh, listen, um, I'm not a political guy. I'll just say that up front. I, I just, you know, I kind of do my business. But our city leaders, our county leaders, and our state leaders, all of them stepped up in, in enormous, huge ways to make this happen. And I spoke to a group of uh, county leaders earlier today, and, and just like we didn't have to go sell them on the vision of a $300 million economic impact, or we didn't have to sell them on the vision of this being just this incredible advertising branding opportunity for the state of Utah around the world. They, they're they smart enough. They knew what this was. And we could not have done this without city, county, state leaders and, and stepping up. And, uh, you know, um, all of the good is coming back to the community. Every hotel room in the entire valley is booked. Uh, restaurants, bars, uh, clothing stores, malls. You name it, ski resorts. I I know so many people actually came straight here from the Super Bowl last Sunday, and they came to ski for a couple of days and then to be here for All-Star Weekend. And, like, you know, when we talk about a $300 million economic impact, that's what this will do. And we've just been very fortunate to have those leaders, the city, county, and state leaders that we have. You know, Jim, this state feels like they're in another fight to potentially host the 2030 Olympics. Pulling off an event like this, getting the leaders to surround it, bringing a lot of different personalities here to the state. How much does pulling off an event like this help you in a potential bid like that? Yeah, it's really important. Uh, once again, great question because, and you know, I've had I've had conversations throughout our process with you know those leaders that are that are working on the Olympics, and this is abs. I mean, trust me, they're they're watching. Uh, you know, the Olympic people are watching this weekend, and how do we pull it off? How's the travel? I mean, the Delta Airlines and their major investment into the airport. Um, I don't want to quote the number, but it's it's astonishing how much they've invested into the airport, and they're watching the investment into the community and into this place and and the, the great news is and I know we still have two and a half big days to go and a lot of events but they're going to walk away from this seeing that uh, we, we know how to do it here in Utah. Ryan Smith was talking to a group yesterday or the day before just said we know how to get things done in Utah and it's it's absolutely true and, and you know the Olympic or- organizers definitely will see that after this weekend. So, uh, you you know, and I'm not trying to date you here, but you've worked for the Jazz for a minute. Um, just a minute. <laughs> just a minute. Uh, i got to ask you, from a personal standpoint, not only as an employee and, and the president, but as a longtime fan of this team, how cool is it going to be to have the uh, Delta, speaking of Delta, that Delta uh, name back on the uh, on that arena? 
I mean, it's, you know, it's a dream come true as far as our business goes and what we've tried to accomplish and the relationships we've tried to build. And we're so fortunate to have the partners we've had over time. And Vivint is going to continue to be just one of our outstanding, great partners. We're, we love those guys and all the, you know, the, the great work we've done together. But you know what? It, it's just right. And, and um, I actually spoke with uh, Ed Bashan of Delta Airlines earlier this morning and they are, he's here with with his team and you know participating in everything and everybody just knows it feels right and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we're looking forward to uh, the return of the Delta Center. So I got to ask you Jim because the timing on this is just incredible. You obviously come into this season knowing that you got the All-Star game here. Had a couple of All-Stars, actually three All-Stars on the team with Conley, Donovan and Rudy. <clears throat> Those guys are kind of moved out. How crazy was it? that an all-star developed on the team in the beginning stages of this season. And what were the conversations like behind the scenes as this guy that came in on a trade all of a sudden starts developing into a Western all-star? How exciting was that for you guys? Well, it's super exciting. I mean, Larry has just proven to be one of the great players in the NBA right now and this year and young and has such a great future. And, you know, the NBA is an interesting place. You know, people got to find the right fit. And when when you find that fit and a player can excel, um, it's always a special time. But, you know, hindsight is, is like, listen, it's Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck. And, I mean, like, am I, at the time, you know, did you start – getting a little surprised like wow this guy's better than maybe we thought but uh danny and justin are very humble and won't admit it but i think they knew he was going to be pretty darn good how about a uh, a young man from auburn like walker kessler who you know when hans and i are sitting across the table and that trade goes through and we're listing all the assets and we're talking about all these first round picks and undrafted and all the or are unprotected and we're going through it all and they're like oh and uh their first round pick last year walker kessler and then we're like okay let's get to the other stuff we just kind of <laughs> kind of glossed over him but boy you guys you guys struck gold on that one well, once again, uh, you know, just credit to Danny Ainge and uh, Justin Zanuck. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess you can call me biased, but they're, they're the best in the business. And uh, the it's not just knowing basketball, but the culture they're building on the basketball side of things. And obviously, listen, ton of credit to, to Will, Coach Will. I mean, listen, uh, what a great hire that was by, by Justin and Danny. And um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Walker's a special, special kid kid and uh, uh you're gonna just see him keep he'll keep getting better well jim when this thing's all said and done i hope that you get up on the green for about three weeks just just all alone you and your fly pole anybody that you might want to bring i just hope you get a nice extended getaway on the green because i know that's kind of your heaven up there that's kind of my place, and I would invite you, but last time you ate all my caramel popcorn, so you're not invited this next time. I'm going alone, like you said. Hey, that that was nine years ago, and I've noticed how many invites I've had since. I I, I was so hungry. Susie and put the, a lot of work into, the, that, into that caramel corn. And the man. caramel corn was there, and I, I was I was sitting behind Clay, so Clay didn't even see what was happening behind him. No. And by the time I knew it, I looked down, and it was gone. I, I felt terrible. No, you didn't feel bad at all. You're right. He did not. He did. He asked if there was more. 
Jim, we're fired up for you, man. Uh, we, you know, Hans and I got a little bit of a glimpse that, that went on behind the scenes, but I can't imagine the work and time and effort between you and, and everybody else there. Um, fantastic people in that organization, and congratulations on a, on an incredible upcoming weekend. Well, and I know I still owe you guys a breakfast. I think we've been texting for about three months, trying to find time to eat breakfast. So now, after my Green River trip is over, we'll uh, we'll go get some breakfast and catch up. But you guys are the best. Uh, love you guys, and uh, just wish you the best this weekend. Have some fun with it, and uh, yeah, we're grateful to be to be a part of this. Back at it. Back at you. We're Thanks so you much. Brother. Thank you. See you guys. There he is, Jim Olson. You may call him president. We call him a really good dude. Yeah, I call him Mr. Olson. Yeah, we. Still I consider him. myself the best, the second best Olson when I'm in the room with Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I do. I do miss hanging out with that guy. Yeah, he's great. And as you mentioned, you were in a lot of different meetings with these guys while so many different things were going on. And I'm sure you saw them execute a lot of things, including the renovation of the arena that had been a huge undertaking. But just standing here and looking around, because we're right here on the corner of 300 West and South Temple, and standing here on the corner just looking around and seeing all the activities, all the signage, all the different transportation, everything that they've put in place, to be able to operate this and manage it and bring this to utah and make it look seamless yeah it's impressive what they've done absolutely absolutely impressive happy for them all right we'll take one last break and uh get you ready for unrivaled what a show today man this has been a lot of fun right outside vivin arena the home of the 2023 all-star game right here on 97.5 the ksl sports zone you're locked on to han solson and scotty chick 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 on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Standing here beside you, want so much to give you this love in my heart that I'm feeling for you. All right, wrapping up another edition of the show, Friday All-Star Game edition of the show. It's been a fun one today, Hans. Well, I would say probably a top five all-time. Uh, there may have been better shows. I can't think of any. You think about some of the guests that we've had and some of the fun conversations that we've had. It's fun digging into the NBA because we've got a 20-game finish in front of us. After this weekend yep. wraps up, we got 20 games in front of us. Figure out who the best in the West and who the best in the East is. After talking with Howard Beck and even Dan Wykey, might be the Lakers. Yep. It might be everything from the Lakers that are in the 13th spot all the way up to the Nuggets that are in the first. But it sounds like everybody's in agreement that the East is going to come out of this thing. I do think it's funny, though, how we've had three really predominant NBA writers. And Dan Wykey, Kurt Heelan, and and, uh, Howard Beck. And how three different they see how things are. Because, you know... Dan Wykey, I think he's around the Lakers a little much, so he's kind of patting, tapping down the Laker hype a little bit. Howard Beck's like, hey, you know what? Look at the roster. They could be great. You know, and it's just like, at the end of the day, nobody really knows. We all have opinions, but nobody really knows. And Kurt Heelan stamped a guarantee on a Lakers championship. Yes. No, he did Buy the, get ready for the parade. (laughs) (laughs) No, he didn't. Kurt Kurt was great. I'm hoping that if, uh, first of all, I, I hope that, 
you listen to all three hours of the Hanson Scotty show. But if you by chance didn't get to hear all three hours, go back to kslsports.com. You can click on the podcast link and you can find every single one of those conversations. Yep. If you don't want to go to the website and you just want to do the podcast, anything, whether it's Apple Podcasting or Stitcher or any type, Spotify, just search Hans and Scotty. You'll be able to find our show. Give us a follow. Give us a review. We'd love that. Only if but it's nice, though. Only if it's a, a nice one. I don't want your negative reviews. We are fragile. We're, we're fragile. We have sensitive feelings. It makes us feel bad. But, but Scotty, Lloyd and I have a bus to catch. Dude, I'm so bummed that you've got responsibilities this Man, weekend. I, I just want to see. Just find some rando on that bus, and uh, you go hands-free eating. Grab some of the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> You're already hands free on a bus. I just hands on the pole. Keep your hands on the pole. I'll feed you. All right, Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> life, oh life man. Choices. Big thanks to everyone who again who uh, hopped on the show today. And remember our all star coverage brought to you by Aquaterra Steak and Sushi, a curated dining experience in downtown Salt Lake City. Also, Remedical, Utah's only physician-owned and operated wellness clinic, offering ED treatments. It's discreet, non-invasive, and customized for your needs. Go to remedical.com today. All right. Hey, not only, by the way, are we uh, do we need to thank all of everybody who came on, but Lloyd, who's been hanging out with us down here. Uh, Jeremy, who's been up in studio kind of helping out as well. But uh, big shout-out to Joey, Dallin, Stone, uh, keeping us trying to keep us warm down here. As well, this has been a fun venue, and Unrivaled will keep it rolling here just outside Vivint Arena as the 2023 All-Star Game is upon us right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.